Chapter Three, Part Two of Religion and Health. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simona Russo. Religion and Health by James Joseph Walsh. Chapter Three, Part Two. The worst spirit, with its necessary sacrifices serves to lift men above the dreads that wear away other lives and makes it very clear that what the spirit of whole-hearted sacrifice can accomplish in keeping life from being disturbed by fear thoughts of many kinds it might possibly be thought that the supreme call made upon nature's power to overcome such dreads when combined with the extreme physical efforts that were often calls for and the draft upon nature's resources that the healing of wounds demands would surely shorten the lives of military men and the soldiers and officers but above all these latter would have on the average much less expectancy of life than the rest of mankind apart from actual fatal wounds this is not true however but on the contrary men who have suffered severely from wounds who have been placed under heavy burdens of responsibility and have gone through trials that would seem calculated to exhaust nature's powers have lived far beyond the average length of life and even long beyond the vast majority of men lord roberts wounded over and over again once shot almost to pieces getting his victoria cross for bravery of the highest type lived still active well past eighty and died from pneumonia behind the lines in the great war quite as any man of the generation after his might have done sir evelyn wood is another typical instance of this living well beyond eighty in the enjoyment of health and strength and power to be of use to his country the spirit of sacrifice for a great patriotic purpose is like the spirit of sacrifice from religious motives which blesses while it furnishes the highest satisfactions that can come to a man if men and women could be brought to exercise from religious motives in time of peace as much of the spirit of sacrifice as they do for war and patriotism the world would be a very wonderful place in which to live as it is there are a great many who do so and whose lives have become veritable blessings for others and yet sources of supreme satisfaction to themselves their thoroughgoing faith and trust are examples to others that make life not only ever so much easier in the midst of hardships but that give a new depth to the belief in immortality because these others whose lives are so admirable have such a supreme faith in it that they direct all their actions to its reflection as professor ostler said in delivering the ingersoll lecture on immortality at harvard a great many of us believe because there are around us persons often those whom we love dearly whose lives and faith mean so much to us that their confidence in immortality is imparted to us religion is above all the motive of sacrifice that makes life more efficient and is productive of the healthy mind in the healthy body it has quite equalled war in its regard and the lives of missionaries when lived under the most difficult circumstances have often lasted long beyond even the psalmist's limit of threescore years and ten 
i have in mind as i write a dear old missionary who is still with us who spent twenty years with the nez Perces indians in the distant west sharing all the hardships of the tribe and yet accomplishing very little in the matter of winning them to christianity until at the end of that long time his leg was broken by a fall the manly uncomplaining courage with which he bore the accident warned the hearts of the warriors and they were ready to become christians and to follow wholeheartedly the principles of religion which could make a white man so completely a man in every sense of the word as they had found their missionary his health in the midst of all this had been excellent and he is now in alaska past eighty standing the climate and the trials of that country it is surprising how weak women in the spirit of religious sacrifice accomplish what seems almost the impossible and actually live healthier lives after they have given up everything and there is nothing more for them to dread we have all heard of the story of father damien who so bravely went to molokai in order to care for the lepers but how many know that religious women have offered themselves for similar purposes and not only at molokai but at tracadie in canada and in louisiana have given themselves up for life to the care of lepers i know from records that some of these women after having made the supreme sacrifice were actually better in health living among the lepers than they had been when apparently living under much more favourable circumstances in their city homes some of them have lived to be very old and none of them have contracted the disease the story of such a striking personal sacrifice as that of father damien among the lepers at molokai crowned by years of suffering and death attracts sensational attention but it must not be forgotten that he is only one of the many who have given up all in similar spirit there were many like him though utterly unknown to the world who in china in distant india in central africa or among the indians in our own country have sacrificed everything that the world deems most satisfying just to give themselves to the care of their savage brothers i shall never forget dropping off years ago one day in the west at the then little station of missoula in montana to meet an old teacher of mine who had been famous for his knowledge of greek and of the aristotelian philosophy and who was then engaged in taking care of indians where none of these special intellectual acquirements were of any service but where his hearty good cheer made him the best of missionaries he had made his sacrifice he said there were plenty of others who could do the teaching of greek and philosophy and he felt the call to do something for others who needed his personal services he was in better health than he had been in years and in better spirits and there was a look about him which indicated that some of the hundredfold promised to those who give to the lord was already coming back to him many a man and woman in this country and in england has been lifted out of the depths even out of the very slot of despond where dreads abound and a healthy mind in a healthy body is almost impossible of attainment by reading about the work of dr wilfred grenfell who has so nobly given himself and his professional services to the care of the poor fishermen on the labrador coast 
their sufferings are often so severe as to be almost unbearable especially during the winter time and yet they cling to their little homes on the rugged coast ready to bear through successive winters the vicissitudes of a climate and the bitter struggle for existence which seem almost beyond the endurance of human nature and where they need so much sympathy and kindliness which have been extended to them by dr grenfell any one who has come in contact with him personally learns that this spirit of sacrifice so finely exemplified and exercised to high achievement has made him a charmingly sympathetic man whom everybody who comes to know is sure to like and who exhibits the best traits of the race in some of their highest forms of expression withal he is a very practical common-sense individual grafted on the lofty idealist his sacrifices have done him good and the example of them has stimulated and helped an immense number of other people besides the special objects of his devotion of the labrador coast what marvellous examples men can give in this way examples which fairly quicken life in other and weaker brethren and set them at their tasks wholeheartedly to accomplish whatever they can when otherwise they would have been discouraged and downcast and up to find excuses in poor health or weakness is well illustrated by dr grenfell's life and also by that of many others in our own day i count it as one of the privileges of life to have been a close friend for some precious years of the man of whom one of those who came in contact with him has told the story which i shall quote his example was all the more striking because it had for background that flagrant exhibition of the selfishness of men which a rush to new gold fields always presents he was engaged in quite a different quest that for him seemed much more important and he went on with his work in the midst of the excitement as calmly as if men all around him were not exhausting all their natural powers to the limit for a fancied prize which they were sure would make them happy all of us can remember the mad rush for gold to the klondike out to the northern edge of the world nature has pushed her ice barriers far to the south of it and fringed them for leagues with impenetrable forest and towering mountain and treacherous river as though to guard her treasure men lured by the golden gleams essayed to break through in tens of thousands they plunged into the unknown wilderness pushing in frenzied haste through forest and canon and river by thousands they fell and died but a remnant crept out of the deadly yukon plain every step on which was a fight for life some of the first of these hardy adventurers were making their way across the frozen alaskan waste when they saw ahead something moving that stood out black against the blinding white of the snow stumbling through snowdrifts waist deep in ice hollows jumping treacherous crevasses they pushed on and the dark spot gradually took shape it was a loaded dog sledge and in front hauling laboriously were a man and a dog he was alone and they stared in wonder at him as if to ask what manner of man was this so contentedly travelling in this land of dreadful silence a land that seemed to be the tomb of all living things that ventured into it 
he gave them cheerly greetings as they passed by stopping not for here the race was to the swift and strong and wished them good fortune their guide knew him and they learned with astonishment that it was not love of gold that had made him risk his life on that frozen tundra that grey-haired man with a kindly face buffeted by the ice wind that cut like a whiplash and bent low under the sledge rope was the best known man in the colondike his sledge was loaded with medicine and food for poor sick miners his boys as he called them whom he kindly cared for in a hospital that with his own hands he had helped to build in the town in the valley of gold they saw him next day as he came down the street still harnessed to the sledge they saw the crowds that rushed from the canvas buildings on either side and pressed forward to shake his hand and laughingly take the sledge from him and swing along the street filling it from side to side to where at the far end stood his hospital they saw him enter and when they heard the shout of joy that burst forth from the inmates at the sight of the only man that stood between them and death tears sprang to their eyes and they too pressed forward to exchange a word with and pressed the hand of a hero too soon there came a day when the axe and the sledge rope fell from the once strong hands and he lay dead among the boys whom he loved they buried him in the frozen earth between his hospital and his church the making of sacrifices for religious motives that is from a religious sense of duty is often followed by some of the most satisfying rewards of life physicians frequently have this brought home to them when they encounter people who because of unwillingness to make what seems to be the sacrifices in the early years have to go through some rather serious conditions later on in life the woman who having had opportunities to marry has refused them because she fears the cares of family life and dreads the dangers of maternity will very often suffer even so much more during the years of involution and obsolence in the second half of life as the result of the loneliness that will come to her and the lack of any hard interest in life which will leave her without the resources and satisfaction which come to the woman whose children are around her and whose grandchildren bless her the man who has remained a bachelor will very often unless perhaps some of his brothers and sisters have married and taken the trouble and had the joy of raising children be even more pitiably in his solitary old age this may not seem to mean much for health and happiness and there may appear more sentimentality than reality in it but the statistics of suicide and insanity among the unmarried which are ever so much higher than among the married demonstrate how much of hopeless discouragement and mental discomfort comes to those who have given no hostages to fortune and no pledges for the future by the sacrifice of some of the passing pleasures and selfish satisfactions of youth nearly the same thing is true of the married folk who have only a child or two in the family the children are almost inevitably spoiled a careful study of the single child in the family has shown very clearly how nervous and selfish the solitary child is likely to be 
and how much unhappiness the mother prepares for her child by refusing to give it the normal companionship of brothers and sisters the real kindergarten of life should be the family of five or six children raised together and learning to bear with each other and yield to each other and take care of each other as the highest kind of training in unselfishness even when there are two children in the family especially if these are of opposite sexes the boy and girl are likely to grow up with entirely wrong notions as regards their importance in life the whole household is centered around them and they learn how to impose on father and mother nearly always the parents prepare unhappiness for themselves as well as their children though there is usually the excuse that they will be better able to provide for fewer children afford them a better education and bring them up so as to secure for them more opportunities in life dr carl pearson of london the well-known authority on eugenics has investigated rather carefully the health of children in large and small families and has demonstrated that children are healthiest when there are five to eight children in the family on the average first and second children are not as healthy as those who come later in the family and those who are in the best condition physically and mentally for life come after the fourth the early children in the family are more liable to epilepsy and certain serious nervous diseases and are often unstable nervous equilibrium while the latter children are more gifted and are likely to live longer the sacrifices of social pleasures and of passing ease and comfort in order to bear and raise four or more children in the family are as a rule of nature amply rewarded in the health and strength of both the children and the mother in my book on health through will power in the chapter on feminine ills and the will i have pointed out that in spite of the tradition which assumes that a woman's health is hurt if she has more than two or three children the women of the older time when families were larger were healthier on the average than they are now in spite of all the progress that medicine and surgery have since made in relieving serious ills above all it was typically the mother of numerous children who lived long and in good health to be a blessing to those around her and not the old maids or the childless wives for longevity is not a special trait of these latter classes of women the modern dread of deterioration of vitality as the result of frequent childbearing is quite without foundation in the realities of human experience some rather carefully made statistics demonstrate that the old tradition in the matter is not merely an impression but a veritable truth as to human nature's reaction to a great natural call while the mothers of large families born in the slums with all the handicaps of poverty as well as hard work against them die on the average much younger than the generality of women in the population careful study of the admirable vital statistics of new south wales show that the mothers who lived longest were those who under reasonably good conditions bore from five to seven children here in america a study of more favored families shows that the healthiest children come from the large families and it is in the small families particularly that the delicate neurotic and generally weakly children are found 
Alexander Graham Bell, in his investigation on the Hyde family here in America, discovered that the greatest longevity occurred in the families of ten or more children. So far from mothers being exhausted by the number of children that were born, and thus endowing their children with less vitality than if they had fewer children, it was to the numerous offsprings that the highest vitality and physical fitness were given. One special consequence of these is longevity. The spirit of sacrifice brings its own reward, the realization from a religious standpoint that it is better to give than to receive is one of the greatest blessings that a man can have nothing is so disturbing to health and happiness and real happiness always reacts on health as selfishness the contradiction of the spirit of sacrifice all the great writers on the spiritual life have emphasized the fact that nervousness is at bottom selfishness conceit is the root of a great deal of unhappiness and consequent disturbance of the health of mind and body End of chapter three